Hey guys, and welcome back to the You Know The Drill podcast, the podcast hosted by me, Ferris, and my mate Robbie, two fourth-year dental students producing content for all your dental needs. Whether you're a dental student or applicant, if you want to learn more about the reality of dentistry, this is the podcast for you. If you want to keep up to date with all our episodes, follow our podcast on your platform, and check out our Instagram and TikTok at You Know The Drill podcast. Thank you. So, today we welcome on a very special guest, one of our clinical teachers at uni, Dr. Mona Biji has kindly agreed to chat to us today about his MSc in restorative and aesthetic dentistry. We are excited to have him on, so welcome. Thanks guys, it's nice to speak to you out of um, uni actually, it's quite quite strange, but nice, I, um, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you, no, we really appreciate it, and yeah, it's cool to have one of our tutors on here, you know, you, you know the, the our, our real... I do skills in in the base <laughs> exposing I, us. I'm not even sure. I wasn't even sure if you've had a tutor on or not, <laughs> or what the limits are in this situation. But no, it's a uh, it's great. It's it's really nice that you've asked me to do this for you guys. No, thank you so much. So we thought we'd you know because this one's more like a journey kind of episode talking about um, dentistry. Yeah. Uh, so what 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 could you what could you just tell us about yourself? If you could just summarize yourself and your you know journey so far. Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, everyone knows whoever is listening from uni. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm Mohammed. Everyone calls me Mo. Um, I qualified, um, just over 20 years ago, 2001 from the Royal London. Um, obviously, um, not Kings. <laughs> um, and I did my foundation year straight after. And following that, I went, um, into um, associateship and suit, you know, not long after that, I set up a squat practice actually, which is very unusual now. I think it's very unusual nowadays to do that. Um, but yeah, I think I took the plunge quite early, really. Um, it, it was very different to what it is, um, right now in terms of how easy it is or not easy it is to set up a practice, the kind of uh, restrictions and the and the controls that we have to go through mm. to get uh, to get a practice going is so difficult now to actually set up. Virtually impossible to set up an NHS practice. Um, yeah, but yeah, in a nutshell, I did that um, quite early on. Um, I ended up doing fairly well with my my own NHS practice, and then I bought another private practice a few years later and I bought another one a few years after that um and then I decided to sell everything about 10 or 11 years later and purely because I I loved it but I just felt like I wanted to develop myself as a as Mm -hmm. a dentist and do do other things really um and you know being a practice owner is great it's but it has you know it has its um, difficulties. It has its, you know, the good things and the bad things. But really, it's a lot of time that you spend, you know, dealing with the practice after work, kind of dealing with staffing and things like that. And it's really hard to actually then, you know, kind of develop yourself from a postgraduate perspective, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think I really wanted to. Um, I really wanted to try and go further with with dentistry and, and, and doing more postgraduate education and just be better at what I was enjoying really. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, I did that. Um, so I, so I, I, like I said, I, I had practices for about 10 years and then I sold everything and I decided to just work as an associate and I did my master's in restorative anesthetic dentistry. Okay. Um, and that took just under three years. Okay. And then following that, I can't remember. I then became a DFT trainer. And I did that for about four or five years. Following which then I ended up going into clinical teaching with you guys. Mad. Wow. That is a fantastic little summary there and yeah it really shows you like there's there's so much breadth and depth when it comes to dentistry as to mm. what you can do like you had a point where you wanted to go down practice management buying practices and you thought you know what let's try something different and you have that flexibility in dentistry which is something that i really love mm. um so it's, it's really cool to kind of hear how how you used your time and you kind of maximized it um as much as possible um just hitting on the msc there so what what made you want to do an msc in restorative and aesthetic dentistry yeah i think that's a good question because um i think i did it quite a lot later than some people tend to think they should do it yeah um i think a lot of i, I think there is a dilemma as to whether you do it soon after you graduate or or not really and i think my motivation was just because i love restorative and I love the aesthetic side of dentistry. And I don't think I would have really realized that. And, you know, unless I had actually been practicing for enough time to know what kind of my passion is. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, you mm -hmm. know, trying to think, okay, this is what I think I'm going to enjoy and going down that route quite early. But there are so many, you know, you guys know your students and there are there are different fortes in, in dentistry, like peds and ortho and restorative and perio and all those kind of things. And there are things that you might really enjoy now while you're in uni and you might really hate when you're in practice and vice versa. Yeah. And I think, and I think sometimes, you know, we jump the gun a little bit in thinking, yeah, I love this right now. I'm enjoying it in uni because it's very different in practice. And then you spend a lot of time then doing your postgraduate, you know, training in that. Mm. And I'm not sure. I mean, for me, I, I think it was more of the case of I knew I liked it. I knew I had a passion for it. You know, I got a lot of satisfaction out of, you know, doing that kind of dentistry. And, and mine was in, it was in restorative and, and minimally invasive dentistry, which I think is something I really do enjoy. Yeah. Um, and the aesthetic side of things. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have known really, you know, we, we want to think that we like the aesthetics and 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 seeing a patient be able to smile and stuff but there are some people who really love you know the special care stuff yeah. or you know the orthodontic side of it or you know mm -hmm. or, or the other different things in dentistry you just you just end up thinking i really like doing it or i really like carrying out that treatment it gives me a lot of satisfaction or i'm really interested in it. so for me it was um i think it was my interest in and my passion for it not because i thought right this is what i want to do and this is where I think I will do well in my career and make loads of money. It, it was more because I enjoyed it. Because I think when it does come to any kind of postgraduate education, there is also the thought process sometimes where, okay, it's going to earn me a lot more money as a G than, than being a GDP. I don't think that's the case, to be fair. I think do something mm. like that 
because you want to be better at it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you enjoy it. Um, because it is generally dentistry is a hard life, um, whether you're a specialist or not. And it does take a lot of time. You know, you can be a really good dentist, but you have to have the skills to be able to, you know, warm to patients and then warm to you. And there's a lot of, you know, aspects which create a really well-rounded dentist as opposed to just your postgraduate education. Yeah, I really, I really like what you were saying there as well about, you know, doing, doing your MSc because you want to do it rather than, and it's like kind of what you enjoy. Because if you're not doing what you enjoy, then, you know, you're just going to end up being a bit miserable, I'd say. So um, it, it's refreshing to hear that that's the reason you did it. And you, I think you're 100% right. You shouldn't just do something because you think that's where I'm going to earn the most money or that's, you know, what I I think I'm I'm going to like. You know, it should be because you should be you doing it because, you know, that's what you enjoy. So um, also, you know, kind of you mentioned that it took you three years. Um, so my first question to you is, was that full time? And my second question is, where did you do the MSc? No, so mine was part, it was part time and it was, it was distance learning as well. Okay. Distance learning doesn't mean that you're not there. You know, you'd have to go quite a few times in the year and spend like a week or two every time doing this. And mine was done in uh, University of Manchester. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was part time. And, and even though they say it's a two year course or something, you know, they, I think they said it was a three year course and it was, but you finish it within, you know, just under three. And, the, you know, it's really the first year and a half or so, you know, that you're doing a lot of the clinical work. Mm. Um, and when it is a distance learning course, I actually preferred doing that. And I wanted to do that yeah. because it's not because I thought, oh, I need to work. The way the distance learning courses work is that they expect you to do a lot of your um, learning or a lot of your practicing or what you are learning within your own clinical environment. Um, so you'll be able to choose your own case and think, all right, I'm going to do this on this patient. And then you would write up your reports and do your assessments, et cetera. Yeah. Instead of doing it like, you know, you guys do in university on a patient that you don't really know. So you've already built up a rapport with your patients. So it could be an existing patient and they're quite open to allowing you to say, you know, you, it's nice that you can tell them, no, I'm doing my postgrad and I'd love to use you as one of my, one of my patients to do this kind of work on. And you build the trust already, um, so it's quite nice um, to do that in in your environment. Yeah, yeah. That is quite. You know what? Um, it's quite interesting about that as well. Actually, is, is this distance learning thing because I've seen it a couple of times, just like pop up. Mm. But I didn't really understand it. So, is it kind of like it's like a more flexible way of learning where you're not necessarily like at university campus the whole time? It's it's like you can work in your own place, get yeah, your own patients. At university uh, campus, so. The way mm -hmm. our MSc worked um, was that you would, you know, you would go, there would be um, residential weeks that you'd be there and you'd do a lot of hands-on um, work with various speakers and lecturers. But then a lot of the other work was a lot of reading at home, a lot of essay writing and um, assessments, etc. But you would have... Um, things that you needed to do on patients case presentation so you'd have to maybe do you know post you know posterior composites case presentations with regard starting from scratch with all the photographs and everything going through your treatment planning process 
and why you've done it, the research behind it, the you know the reading behind it all, why you're choosing various materials, etc. And following through that case all the way through the end, and then you know so through the through your degree, you're submitting you know different cases based on what their expectations are, which I quite enjoyed because. Mm. You're getting to do that in practice. You get to write up about it. Um, it's nice. You're doing, doing it on your own patience, and you can do it in your own time. You're not subject to thinking, oh, I've got to get this done right now. Yes, you have a time limit. They'd say, all right, we want this assessment done in the next three months. Um, but, you know, when you're a, when you're, you know, a, a, a more mature dentist and, and you've been, you know, working for X number of years, you know that you can get treatment plans done within even one month or so. It's just getting all the photographs and all the write-ups and everything done in that time. Yeah. So that's mm. how a distance learning, and, and it's, it's, it's good actually probably to talk about because that's how distance learning degrees work. It, it, you know, what you actually do is very much the same as what you do in a full-time one. You're just doing it in, in your practice. You're doing it in your yeah. environment. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, no. I enjoyed it i i thought you know it's not it's i think that was for me and, and it may not be for some people because some people learn better when they're in a university environment mm-hmm. or in that yeah and, and there's nothing wrong with it. i think it's great i think just know what's good for you and do it that way because what eventually again what you get is you'll, you'll still get your masters and you've still got all the accreditation for it you've just done it in a different way yeah yeah, no, I understand. It's it's unique to everyone how they, you know, prefer to learn. And and for some people, like you said, long distance um, or distance learning, sorry, is, is you know, better um, rather than being in the normal kind of, you know, uni environment. Um, but, you know, kind of touching on, on your, on what exactly restorative and aesthetic dentistry involves um mm. just because there's some um you know stu- people that are thinking of applying to dentistry and there's also some people in the younger years that may not actually know what restorative and aesthetic dentistry is so if you had to summarize it what what, what would you say it's involved with in in the world of dentistry so i think restore restorative dentistry is any aspect to do with you know Re, you know, occlusion, rehabilitation, and you know the simple stuff like fillings and crowns and bridge work and things like. That. So you have your, so if you split it up, you have restorative um, postgraduate degrees, which covers those kind of things. You have endodontics, which you know is endo. You have perio, which you know is perio. Um, yeah. So restorative does cover a large amount mm. of things. You know, it, it they. As you guys are probably aware, you know, you learn how to do fillings and things like that. You learn how to do your crowns, which is fine. You know, you people might think, well, why are you doing a restorative MSc when you kind of know how to do that? It's not, they're not teaching you how to do those things. You already know how to do it. You might learn how to do certain things in a different way, but what you're learning is more of how to tackle the bigger cases and the more difficult cases, the cases which do need occlusive rehabilitation, the cases which need a bit more planning, the multiple wear cases or those kind of things where you are more, you know, having to deal with aspects of occlusion and opening up the bite or, you know, things along the slightly more complex um, aspects of restorative work. 
Yeah, yeah. And and they and it is called aesthetic or minimally invasive because they touch more on stuff that I think a lot of now younger students are loving to do. You know the the composite work and the mm. anterior cases and the mm. like, ways and how you layer. And yes, you can learn all these things in different courses, but at least it's nice to know that they do teach you this in your master's degree. And you don't have to necess- you know, necessarily just do a specific composite course to learn it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's so many pathways in dentistry. It's just, it's, it's actually mind blowing how many different ways you can get to the same goal. Like as you said, it's quite common now to go down that route of kind of like smile design, um, composite bonding, you know, really getting that the Hollywood smile or the Essex smile or the uh Dr. Rona smile, like <laughs> whatever you whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um so it's it's interesting to see that you can go down like a what what I'd consider, you know, I don't know, maybe a more traditional route in the sense of doing a master's in something like that. So it's it's cool to see that the options are out there. Yeah, um, I think it is. And you know, you can do and I think, you know, touching on, you know, how long it takes and things like that. You know, everyone's in a different place in their life when they're doing it. You know, like I said, some people may do it soon after university and they don't have the commitments of family, mortgages, things like that. Yeah. And it and it can be done then on a more full-time basis where you think, right, I, you know, like I said, you may know what you want to do and fine, that's what you want to do. I'm going to do this right now for the next few years because I'm not, you know, I'm not committed to anything and I've got the time to do it and I've, I can afford to do it. Some people may be in that situation, but they may not be able to afford to do it there and then. So they may prefer to go down the alternative route of doing it over the longer term. Um, some people may decide to do it much later after, like I did, maybe after I've dealt with a lot of my commitments. I think right now I can actually spend the time to do things that I want to do with regards to you know, furthering myself in dentistry. So, um, like you said, Faris, there are so many different avenues and, and ways in which you can get somewhere, but mm. you'll get there. It just, it varies, you know, very much varies, you know, with regards to what, where you're at in life, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so kind of just touching a little bit upon, um, the treatments that you provide and the kind of cases mm. that you take on, you mentioned yeah. you take on, um, the more like complex cases, tooth surface loss, dealing with um, yeah. occlusion and all of that. So um, what, what, what are the cases that you commonly see in your practice um, and what kind of treatments do you provide since you've done your master's? And, and yeah. Well, I think, yeah, that's a really good question because there are treatments that we all want to provide, but there are treatments that, you know, sometimes you don't feel confident to do so. And I think, yeah. It's, I think it's really important to realize that, you know, doing a master's, it gives you the confidence to be able to take on the more challenging cases, hmm. and not because you're just gaining confidence because you think, brilliant, I've done this. It gives you the knowledge to be able to tackle it because I think it's really important to be able to say no when you don't feel comfortable doing something. It doesn't matter if it's going to pay you, you know, it's going to, it doesn't matter if you can buy a car from, from what you're going to earn from it. If you don't have the knowledge or the confidence to do it in in an ethical way that's going to have a good long-term prognosis, then it's going to bite you in the back later on down the line. So the cases that I probably wouldn't have tackled before would be, you know, big wear cases um, or where you have to reorganize the occlusion, change the occlusion in some yeah. ways. Um, I wouldn't want to tackle big implant cases because, yes, restorative 
come, you know, you still, you know, you can deal with a lot of more implant cases by just understanding occlusion better. Um, so I would, I'm quite confident dealing with a lot more of those complex big arch cases as opposed to the small ones. And like I said, it's really nice to do the small ones and I still do them. You know, you can still do the, you know, three to three anterior composites or whatever someone wants in that case without worrying about the occlusion because you're not having to deal with it. But if we did have to, or we did have to dial things or, you know, do articulate models and, and work, go down that route. That's the kind of thing that I would only say tackle when you've had your postgrad education yeah, because you know why you're doing it and what you're doing it for and what you're trying to achieve and you're not just doing it because you think that this is the right way to do it have the fundamentals behind you to know exactly why you're doing it mm. so yeah i think i mm. i'm much more confident um doing those bigger cases since i've done my masters and like i said it doesn't it's mm. not that it's gonna earn you more money by doing a master's but on the other side of it, if you look at the reality, yeah, you know, you'll you'll be more confident doing the bigger cases and it allows you to take on the more challenging and, you know, more, you know, uh, cases which may earn you more money. That's that's fair enough, but do it for the right reasons. Do it because it's the right way to do it. Yeah. A lot of things I think in dentistry are, you, you need to have the right intentions because there is this kind of stereotype that, you know, there's a bit of money hungriness when it comes to dentists, but... I think if you actually want to be successful, you have to have a passion within the field that you want to go into, especially if you're going to commit to a master's as well. So, um, I think so. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You know, we've all been, you know, I was a student like you, um, mm -hmm. one day, um, and you know, you know, we all go into this career. We know, we know we're going into it because we want to, but you know, I don't think, I think I'd be lying if I said, well, I didn't go into it because of the money. I didn't, but I also knew that it's a career that is going to earn me good money. And at that, you know, kind of when you're studying, when you come out of it, you think to myself, brilliant, I've qualified now, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. But very quickly, are you kind of brought down to, to kind of earth? Because it's, it, hopefully it doesn't become about that. It, it has, you know, it becomes more about, hmm, I think I don't want to do this actually because I'm a bit worried about doing it and I don't want to get, you know, into a deep hole trying to tackle something I can't do. Mm. Let me just take my time and do it the right way, and maybe that's and, and maybe that's why I, enjoy, I still enjoy dentistry so much, um, because it has been quite a while. And you know, when I speak to my friends who are qualified, there are some people, there are some friends who just hate hate it now, and maybe that's because they have been stuck in a rut and doing the same thing and not really furthered themselves. Maybe not, but I think I think it's just important to try and keep the right balance in life and with your career because you know you're going to do be doing this for so many years you want to enjoy it you know i i, yeah. I you want to enjoy it and i i, I can handle heart say i really love it still amazing yeah that's, that's that's a great thing and kind of talk about the things that you love and dislike what what things did do you enjoy the most about you know restorative dentistry and what things do you dislike the most um I think the nicest thing, it doesn't matter whether you do a tiny filling or a massive rehabilitation case. I think the nicest thing is, is patient satisfaction. For me, that is. Um, and maybe that's why I enjoy it so much because, you know, seeing that someone can, it's not even someone can smile again. Someone may be able to chew again or someone says, you know, I never used to turn my 
face to this side because of this, or you know, I can finally eat on this side and it doesn't have to be something cosmetic. It might be a denture. It could be, you know, implants that they couldn't afford for so many years and then they suddenly can do it and it's ran really smoothly. And then, you know, months down the line, because implant treatment takes, you know, you know, six, seven months sometimes, it's a satisfaction of thinking, I'm just happy that I could do that. And it's a great result. And the patient loves it and you don't have to get a card from them and you don't have to get a gift but you can see it in their face and no one else needs to be there in the room with you i think it's that warm warm feeling of knowing that yeah i've done something good for someone um yeah. and it's my career and i enjoy it so great i think that's what i love about dentistry when it comes to the treatments yeah there are certain treatments that i really love and i i think i really love anything to do with composite um i think i just enjoy working with it um Crowns and bridge work, it's nice. I don't think I get the, the joy that I do with composites, probably because laboratories do a lot of the, you know, the the work of ceramic work. You know, they'll make the crowns and make it and you cement it in. Okay, but when it comes down to doing a filling or doing a nice composite veneer, you know, you're doing the hard work, you're making it look nice, you're spending the time. Oh, yeah. I, think I enjoy that. What don't I like? I don't think there's much in terms of treatment I don't like. I think the things that can be difficult and challenging, you know, are patients. Again, you know, patients are what make you happy because they give you satisfaction. But then, you know, not all patients are like that. And so Mm. the challenging patients are what I find difficult for myself and what I find challenging and and maybe dislike. I I think dislike is probably the right word, but... I don't like it because it might be the easiest form of treatment, but I think I try and drill into you guys as well. Give it, you know, making sure you have, you know, given them the right expectations is so important. Yeah. Don't promise something that you are not going to fulfill later on down the line. Don't give them, you know, tell them this is going to be the best billing or crown in the world. Um, when, you know in your mind and heart that it doesn't matter how good a dentist you are that circumstance is not going to allow you to so it's just being realistic and i think that's sometimes a bit i don't like i don't like it when you know you can't please a patient and and you're trying your hardest to do so and that's not only to do with my masters or that's just generally to do with dentistry dentistry is quite it's quite difficult but you know you learn you learn to to deal with it it just takes a bit of time really and there's i don't think any amount of time can make you feel good about it (laughs) that makes sense yeah yeah that does make sense thank you for the insight um and kind of now just onto the penultimate question um if you had to give some tips or advice to someone you know thinking of going to do a master's in in restorative and aesthetic dentistry what kind of um, main piece of advice would you give them? Um, not, I don't want to repeat myself, mm. but I think I'd rather uh, kind of, you know, stamp it in. Yeah. But please, you know, just do it because you do it because you enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do it because you really want to do it because you are genuinely trying to be better at what you do. Mm. Um, I think if you, I think if you're doing it for that reason, it will motivate you to do well at the masters as well. 
it'll mo- motivate you to want to do as opposed to thinking, oh, I really don't want to do this lecture or I really want, don't want to do this essay or this assessment. I mean, you'll look to try and being the best version of a postgrad student, not because you want to be a geek, but because you're actually doing it, because you have an actual passion for it. And yeah, there are going to be bits, there's, there are going to be parts of any part of studying that are going to be a little bit time consuming. They're going to be a little bit draining. That's part and parcel of anything. I don't think we get anything in life, you know, smooth is smooth sailing. I think everything has some difficulties and you're going to get the same in, in any kind of postgrad education that you do. You know, you get the sweat and the tears and you've got to write a, a thesis at the end. You know, we had to yeah. do that as well. And that takes a good six, seven months. And that is probably one of the hardest things I did. But, you know, it's the final outcome of getting what you've, you know, getting what you want from it and thinking, brilliant, I can do this better. I can do this case now and I couldn't do it before. And I know what I'm doing and I know what material I want to use and I know how I'm going to do it. So yeah. yeah. I think that's the advice I would give. Do it because you really want to do it. It sounds really cliche, but I think having done it myself, um, I can only go by what I felt. And I think, yeah, I, I, I'm really glad I did it later on in life, knowing that that is the passion that I have. But I'm just glad I did it because it's what I wanted to do. And some yeah. people may ask the question, should I do an MSc or an MCLIN DEN? Um, and it's a really valid question. I think if you want to go down the specialist route, then yeah, you have to do the MCLIN DEN. I don't think, and again, I think I only did it because I wanted to be better at it. And that's why I did an MSc mm-hmm. um, and not an MCLIN DEN. Okay, that's interesting yeah. to hear. Yeah. Mm, that's, that's a good one to hear because I feel like this is a whole topic in itself. With it regards is. to like postgraduate training, like yeah. MSc versus MCLIN Dent. It's a mm. cool one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast. And we have a question that we like to ask to every guest, which is what is one piece of advice you would give to anyone, you know, that's applying for dentistry at the moment? So applying for the undergraduate course. Oh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what would I give? as advice i think um i'm not going to say the same as why you do your msc because it's very different (laughs) to that i think go into it knowing that it is and i I, maybe you guys will agree or or not disagree it's not a walk in the park um Mm. it has you know it's a five-year course and you know you might think people might think oh well three years, five years, there's a big difference. You guys are in your fourth year and, you know, you could be graduated in another degree by now. Yeah. You still got two more years to go. So it's long and it's tiring and there's a lot, lot to do. So again, do it because your heart is in it. And I think now having been a tutor for a little while, expect, expect to do the work, expect, you know, to, expect to uh to have some kind of um i don't know what the word is you know there there, there's a level of expectation we have of the students Mm. i think that needs to that not needs to be respected but i think that you guys should know as well or that the students need to know because i suppose as teachers and tutors you know it is a very practical degree and unfortunately in the current situation it has become quite unpractical because of COVID. But 
that won't be forever. And I think hopefully the cohorts as they get on, it will be different. Yeah. But do it, be, do it knowing that there's going to be a level of expectation from you, but it will be worth it because I, I hope that's, you know, by the time you guys finish, you know, the, what you've got from, in terms of your clinical experience and knowledge, you know, will be enough at least for you guys to be safe in practice because that's what you're going to get. You're going to get to a level of just safe space and then there is going to be so much more learning after that. So I think to anyone who's applying, you're going to get your degree, but your learning doesn't really end then. It is a, it is, it's ongoing and it's a great career. I, I, you know, I, I still love it, but it, it's hard work. Um, so do because you want to do it. Do it because you believe that, you know, it's something for you. No one knows what dentistry is like until you've started the course. Mm. You know, it's not like when you're doing your master's where you already know what dentistry is about. You don't know what dentistry is about. You, you, you know of it as teeth and fillings and things like that. But there's so much more to it, as you guys will probably appreciate with regards to all the other topics and subjects and the, the, the biology that you have to learn. Yeah. But, you know, bottom line is it's a really, it's a really good career as long as you kind of have it in your heart that that's where you want to go. Perfect. Great piece of advice there for anyone listening that's thinking of applying to dentistry. Thank you. Um, and yeah, like Faris said, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, no, no, thank you for joining. And, uh, yeah. And now just want to say thank you to the listeners as well. Um, thank you guys for listening to the, you know, the draw podcast. And to find out more about dentistry, the application process and stay up to date with the podcast, Make sure you follow us at You Know The Drill Podcast on Instagram and TikTok and check out my channel at Faris Den on YouTube for all your dental needs. Thanks for listening. Peace out.